The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, I have a quote from Steve Jobs back in 2005. Quote, Innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. So what are we talking about today? Well, design thinking is our topic. If you think design thinking is an innovation method that requires days and weeks of a big group of people locked in a room, intensely working, and you want your high-level managers to be involved in it, and you don't know what to do, well, I have a newsflash for you. There's something new on the horizon. It's actually here already called Short Cycle Design Thinking. We'll call it Short Cycle DT. Developed in a PhD study by SAP and Alborg University, A-A-L-B-O-R-G. It's logical, it's time efficient, it's time effective, and it is suited to leaders who can devote just one or two days. So what if you needed to brainstorm and get design thinking into play about something like a business business solution, something for a high-level business decision, and they only had two days, part of two days, you can use this new short cycle DT to come up with it. It's a problem-solving method that can benefit your business beyond the usual R&D, research and development, and innovation programs. So... I have a panel of three experts who are closely involved with the development of this new process. Let me tell you who they are, and then we'll hear from them. First up, I'll be welcoming Professor Professor Charles Miller, M-O-L-L-E-R. He's a full professor in Enterprise Systems Management and Business Process Innovation. That's a long business card. At the Department of Business and Management at Alberg AAU University in Denmark. Joining Charles on the panel will be Arkin Efaoglu, Senior Business Innovation Consultant at SA. And rounding out the panel is a frequent guest here on Innovating Innovation. It's Alejandro Pifare, also an SAP consulting professional. So let me circle around the table to our professor. And Professor Charles Miller has sent us a quote from Lewis Carroll from the book Alice Through the Looking Glass. Just quickly, uh, Lewis Carroll's full name was, let me see what I've got here. It's Charles Ludwig Dodgson. And this is the sequel to Alice's Adventures in Wonderland which everybody in the world knows. The quote is, over 100 years old, it comes from 1871. Wow, it's old, but it applies today. Here's the quote. It takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least twice as fast as that. Charles Miller, professor, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Bonnie. And uh I, I, I really enjoy look, looking forward to uh, elaborate on this quote. 
So tell me, tell me, uh, we're talking about compressing the time for design thinking. We're talking about taking high-level managers, Charles, who don't have a week or a month or six months to be involved in ongoing design thinking. I'm making it sound tedious, but I know design thinking is very energized and very productive, but they only have two days. So how does the quote from Lewis Carroll apply to what we're talking about today, please? It's actually a very prophetic uh, quote, even if it's uh, almost 150 years old, because uh, most of the managers today, they don't have the time because they, uh, they need to run twice as fast uh, to get somewhere. And that's why the quote is so, uh, so remarkable uh, today, because it actually captures the essence of why innovation is needed, because we really don't want to run twice as fast. We want to figure out a way uh, to, to, to not having to run twice as fast. If you look at most uh, business managers today, they are overwhelmed by the pace of change that happens in, in business today. Um, technology is one thing, and, uh, but, but, but another thing is that uh, all the things that happen in the world, you know, with Trump, with the Brexit and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and these events actually turned the uh, preconditions for doing business upside down. So managers are pretty busy running around uh, preparing for a future that they really don't know what, uh, what, what lies in the future. And also, of course, um, technology is uh, evolving quite rapidly and, and, and everybody is afraid of being disrupted. So uh, they're trying to make sense of something that's really difficult to make sense of. And um, that's why pro- complex problem solving really is the number one issue that uh, business have to do with. And uh, this is why uh, short cycle design thinking is really one of the uh, most perfect timed tools to be available to, to business managers these days. Wonderful, Charles. Thanks. Great, great overview. I was very intrigued when you said uh, disruption is is something that people are trying to deal with. And that's one of our hottest topics is business disruption, technology disruption, digital transformation disruption. The world of business, no matter what industry, what country, what maturity of your company, wherever you are, Disruption is really the name of the game. So I'm glad we're talking about this, and, and let's see if we can convey the message about how Short Cycle DT can help companies, high-level managers, deal with this disruption. Charles, again, welcome to the show, and thank you for your opening words of wisdom. And now let's bring on our second panelist. It's Arkin Efaoglu, and he can pronounce his name correctly for me, a senior business innovation consultant at SAP. Arkin has sent us a quote from Mike Tyson. Woohoo! Michael Gerard, Mike Tyson, born 1966 is an American former professional boxer who held the undisputed heavyweight championship and holds the record as the youngest boxer ever to win the WBA, WBC, and IBF heavyweight titles. His age was 20 years, 4 months, and 22 days. And as we usually say, but who's counting? Apparently people were. So here is the quote from Mike Tyson. Everyone has a plan till they get punched in the mouth. Arkin, welcome. How are you? 
Great. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for the invitation. Well, um, actually, um, I think the sentence is pretty self, uh, self-explanatory, right? So in, in many cases, that applies in life everywhere, whether it's in business, whether it's in a personal life. Um, I would like to give you an example around, uh, for instance, traveling, right? So you have a plan, you want to go on vacation, and then suddenly there's something that just doesn't uh, fit and work out uh, like you want, right? So um, you, you are you get surprises everywhere, and it's the same in business. Uh, basically, uh, whenever you think you're on the safe side and, and as a facilitator, when you run those management type of workshops, uh, you're on the safe side, everything's working well, then there's one, one very small situation or um, a sim- uh, simple part of it that, that just doesn't work out because uh, there is this challenging question, this challenging person, uh, or this challenging situation that asks you for a deviation of the plan. Yeah? And mm-hmm. so, therefore, you need to be prepared for the unprepared part. And another thing that I like uh, pretty much um, that also account, uh, is also applicable for business as well as personal life is the uh, Pareto efficiency theory, uh, also known as the uh, 2080 rule, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, these two sentences, they apply everywhere. And that's why I like this um, statement from, from Mike Tyson. And, um, yes, I think Tyson should know. When he, he talks about <laughs> punches, he should know. And he probably had dozens of plans before he went into a fight. Um, but then uh, by the time he got punched, so he had to uh, start over again, right? That's right. That's right. Very, very apropos. Thank you, Arkin. I love the energy when you're talking about this. Very interesting. Uh, changing gears, being punched. Um, let me just ask you a quick question because I know this, this short cycle DT is part of your PhD study and, and, uh, I know you're working with Charles at Alberg University on this. When a high level manager is invited into one of these sessions or when they raise their hand and say to their managers, let's say around the C-suite table, Arkin, we need to have this short cycle DT. We need need to get some business progress going here really quick. Let's give this method a try. Are they expecting to be literally or figuratively rather, like Mike Tyson said, punched in the mouth during that two-day session where just something so disruptive, explosive, exciting happened, Canada, in just two days? What's your thought on that? Well, uh, there's uh, typically there's a situation that uh, many senior managers, uh, of course, have this uh, decisive um, um, sessions with with other um, senior managers managers on their level. Uh, they have tried out different types of workshops, and they have potentially invited a um, couple of strategic management consultancy companies. But then they they were they are typically looking for something totally new that um, basically brings in um, a more kind of uh, business impulses or a new perspective on their type of uh, management challenges. And so whenever you, you engage um, in these sessions with the, with the managers, of course, you have a lot of different opinions. And as um, most of them are very, very, uh, how would you say, um, very, very... Not arrogant, but I, I miss the I miss the, I miss the right word. They are very um, set in their ways about or their self. Could, yeah, right, convinced right. about their self. They try yes. to they try to put on their perspectives and try to dominate some of the workshops. But you shouldn't forget 
the people in the room are probably as, as uh, much as experienced as uh, the other one. So you have a lot of lively conversations and discussions going on. And then as a facilitator, you need to really pick out the most important parts and um, basically take it as an input for the different phases you have in design thinking. So long story short, uh, many managers have tried out different methods before until they go, uh, come into a short-sighted design thinking workshop um, being somehow informed or advised by, by one of their, their, their advisors, and then they try it out, and most of them like it and follow up. Very interesting, Arkin. You're, you're describing it with such color. I'm going to suggest that we call this, uh, and you, I know, are a facilitator, a trained facilitator in this because you're helping to develop this method. Uh, I'm going to suggest we call this leave your ego at the door, short cycle, high level, senior manager design thinking. How would that be for a title? <laughs> yeah, cool. It would be cool. <laughs> Park your You could even have a box, a, a clear, crystal clear, like an acrylic box that says ego, Deposit yours here before you come into the room. We'll get Charles' <laughs> reaction to that in a minute. That may be the most important part of, of getting bon, through this. Bon, Bonnie. <laughs> yes? Alejandro here. Yes, you I'm coming to you next. Big... Yeah, go Bonnie, ahead. we need a very big box. <laughs> Alejandro, you're wonderful for chiming in, and you know I'm coming to you next because you are our next speaker around the table. I didn't forget you, dear. Alejandro Pifare has been on so many shows with us over the years, and Alejandro sent me a quote that packs a punch, not not talking about the kind of punch that Mike Tyson was talking about, but it's a punch, four words. That's all it takes just to throw a real punch, and the quote is from the movie Jerry Maguire, 1996, and this is one of the the most famous movie lines ever shouted between the characters Rod Tidwell and Jerry Maguire. And you all know what I'm going to say. It's show me the money. Alejandro, welcome back. How have you been? Very well, Monia. I'm very happy to be back in, in the show. Thank you. Uh, and Talk to me about this quote. Go ahead. Sorry? Talk to me about the quote. Yes. I am a particularly fan of this movie. I love the quote. In the context of, of being a design thinking coach, uh, that, that we do similar stuff like uh, arcing, mm-hmm. and typically you tell people that will take, I don't know, one day, two days, one week, till they know what they are doing, to mm-hmm. be in the game, to understand what they are working on. And they have to trust us and follow us. The situation is, when you are with executives, you have half an hour, one hour at the most. Mm-hmm. And they're looking to you, like, show me the money. And if you don't show the money, you're out. Mm-hmm. So basically, all the all these passions, all these tolerance, all the expectation is gone, and you need to deliver. So it's a, it's a, it's the same technique, but it's a quite a different style. Alejandro, that brings up a, a question I have for you, and then we're going to circle around and find out where everybody is and what you're all drinking, you know, the part of the show called What's in Your Cup Today. Alejandro, does what you say and, and what Arkin just said, and Charles started off with, does this put a lot of pressure on the facilitator? Show me the money, meaning, hey, 
I'm a high-level manager. I don't have time for this, but I know we need it. We tried everything else. Nothing else is working. I'll give you two days, but we'd better come out of this session with something great. Is that pressure for for the coach? As you, you talked about, you're a design thinking coach. What does that do to you as a facilitator? Okay. First, this is part of the game. Okay. If you don't enjoy that, you cannot do this. It's like being in the show business. You are in the stage. And I would say that this is even make the things more enjoyable. Uh, you you know that you have to deliver, mm-hmm. and you need to engage them. But the, the process is not pushing them; it's getting them. It's making sure that you can see in the eyes. Suddenly, they start to smile, and they look to each other. Oh, we are doing something together, and we can be creative. And we, once you get a point, you're in. The, the, the main difference is in, in a normal team, you can take two days. Well, then you have to do quickly. That's it. But it's no more mm-hmm. than that. Okay. Thank you, Alejandro. Great. I, I love the energy on the panel, and I'm sensing that this energy is part of making short cycle design thinking working work. So, Professor Charles Muller, I'm going to ask you where you're calling from. And, Charles, let's keep this energy going. What energizes you? What do you love to drink either right now or what do you love to drink when you're done with a long day of working on design thinking? Charles, talk to me. <laughs> uh, actually, <clears throat> what I'm drinking right now is coffee. And it's, it's, it's my sixth uh, mug of coffee today. Uh, so I don't know if it energizes me, but uh, without six mugs of coffee at this time, I would, wouldn't have been alive. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very heavy coffee addict, and uh, I really, really love coffee. And, and, and uh, I'm, I'm at my home office right now, and I uh, have the luck of having uh, a new brewing uh, coffee machine that's, uh, that can uh, grind uh, coffee beans. So I'm rounding up all kinds of the uh, coffee beans that we can get in shops around here. And I'm right now enjoying a Kilimanjaro single estate from Tanzania. Uh, and, and that single estate, I assume that this is uh, the equivalent of a single malt whiskey, uh, which is also one of my favorites, but, but not at this time. It, it has to be coffee, and, and it has to be a lot of coffee. So uh, this is what's in my mug at the moment. Thank you very much. I like that. I like somebody who's really serious about their coffee, and you know where the energy comes from. Thank you, Charles. Arkin, where are you, and what's your favorite drink? What gets you going in the morning? Uh, um, Bonnie, yes. So you know what I have is a classic Earl Grey. I like um, actually black tea, but I like to tell you a story about um, tea and black tea. Um, I'm of Turkish origin, so my parents are of Turkish origin, um, and um, my daddy brews a lot of uh, black tea. And in our culture, uh, black tea uh, or that kind of black tea with those small glasses. Uh, they also call it like the lean belly glasses. Uh, they connect mm-hmm. people, they connect businesses, and whenever you enter a business, you, you get one, you're supposed uh, to have a uh, coffee or, or tea, and in this context, it's typically the Turkish black tea. And I can tell you today, I was at the barber, and the first thing, it was a Turkish barber, actually, and you know what, the first thing that he offered me was, do you want a tea? So before we start, basically, let's have a chat, let's have a conversation, and uh, get connected. And, and brings up the mood, apparently uh, makes business, and, and yes, uh, I like it. 
Wow, that's fascinating. We haven't heard that story. Um, I'm just, I just Googled this. It says Turkish tea is a type of tea popular mainly throughout Turkey and the Turkish diaspora, as well as in northern Cyprus and some Balkan countries. It's called Kai, C-A-Y. Is that the kind of tea you're talking about? Uh, chai, exactly. It's like chai. In, um, it, I mean, also in, in China, you have the same expression for it, uh, where they go to, um, to all these far eastern countries, um, down to, I'd say, Turkey, Romania, and Bulgaria. They potentially all use the same name. It's Chai. It's only written differently. Got it. And here I'm reading the background is tea is an important part of Turkish culture and is the most commonly consumed hot drink despite the country's long history of coffee consumption. Offering tea to your guests is part of Turkish hospitality. It is most often consumed in households, shops, and social congregations of Turkish men. Wow, very, very nice. And the, this uh, got popular in the 20th century. My goodness, they have a picture of former Turkish uh, MP Emin Ulker Tarhan drinking Turkish tea. Very interesting. Thank you for introducing us to that, Arkin. Very, very a charming story. Thank you. Drink up. And now let's get to Alejandro. Where are you, Alejandro? What's your favorite drink that keeps you going? I am in the in the south of Germany. Now I'm, I'm just drinking water. But one hour for now, more or less, I will be drinking Cabernet Anjou which is a very nice uh, rosé wine from the Loire Valley in France, which is particularly fruity. I, I would say a bit, it's not light, but it's not a strong either, like the red wines, and you can drink almost with everything, as, an, as a beginning of the dinner with meat or salad, so it's a very flexible kind of a wine too. Thank you very much. Well, as you three probably guessed, I get my energy from my panelists, and you're certainly giving me lots of energy today. Great topic. Uh, Alejandro knows they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. So there, Arkin and Charles, I can only, I'm only allowed to have water, but it's in a pretty mug. It's clear. I have an orange straw because I'm here on the North Shore of Long Island in New York, about a 30 minute train ride outside of the middle of Manhattan. And right now our leaves are turning and they're magnificent. And from my office window, I see golds and, and reds and oranges. So my orange straw is in honor of the turning leaves here in the fall. For some reason, the leaves haven't fallen off the trees yet here where I am. So I'm, I'm enjoying a delightful, oh my goodness, it's mid-November already. So you know what? We have a lot more to talk about, but I'm going to give my panelists a break for about a minute and change. And we're going to come back with our roundtable. We're going to kick it off with Charles Muller. And we're going to talk, I think, a little bit about the fourth industrial revolution is driving the need for exploring new options and a little bit about digital transformation as the driver for why managers need short cycle design thinking. So no matter what you're thinking about, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be right back. Michael out. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. And welcome back. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers Radio. Those of you keeping count, this is our final episode for 2016, but I have great news. Oski Almez at SAP is renewing this series, so we'll be back with more innovation-focused topics in 2017. We have a great topic today. If you've never heard of short-cycle design thinking, this is the place where we're going to introduce it to you. I'm speaking with two of the people who helped develop this, Professor Charles Muller at Alberg, A-A-L-B-O-R-G, University in Denmark, and Arkin F. Oglu, Senior Business Innovation Consultant at SAP. And joining them on the panel today is our good friend Alejandro Pifare, SAP Consulting and a Design Thinking Coach, and they're sharing their wealth of information on why this new method is great for senior level managers if they only have one or two days to participate in design thinking. But we established before the break that we need a very, very, very large and strong box outside the door of the meeting room for the managers to put their ego in before they come into the session. And we'll talk about that more later. I want to start the roundtable here with Charles Muller. And Charles told me the following before the show. He said, fourth industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, is driving the need for exploring new business options. In industry, business and technology change so fast that management needs to come up with solutions even before they're able to formulate the problems? Oh, my. And he says design thinking is a great tool for that. Charles, great topic. Why don't you get us started, please? Yeah, thank you, uh, because this is actually one of my favorite topics at the moment and, and, and a topic I'm doing a lot of research within. And it's, it, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, uh, the fourth industrial revolution is really a concept that, that started out in Germany as a, as, as a pure technology concept. Uh, 
but it has uh, now become uh, on, on, on top of the world agenda and the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos this year. They they, they put it up as one of the uh, one of the biggest possibility of hu- humanity to sort of tackle problems with uh, uh, with inequalities in the world, with the pollution, uh, sustainability, etc. So the idea of the fourth uh, industrial revolution is really that there's a lot of uh, technology out there uh, that is able to completely change the way we are living and the way we are uh, working. And I think that's... Uh, that, that's the reason why uh, it's it so uh, well connects with uh, innovation because uh, the fourth industrial revolution is about finding out different ways of doing things. I mean, we've had um, we had other uh, industrial revolutions, and, and in the beginning of these revolutions, we have just considered it to be a big crisis, uh, and and. and and crisis is really good because crisis makes us uh, acknowledge that we need uh, to do something differently. So uh, <clears throat> a lot of the new solutions that uh, we can come up with are, are driven both by uh, new needs that we, we, we may not have, that we haven't seen before and, and also new technologies that we connect in all different kinds of ways. Uh, they're talking about... Uh, uh, IT is converging with uh, the physical uh, material science and with, uh, also combining with the biotechnology. So a lot of things that uh, our kids would, uh, that, that we, we really only can dream about is becoming possible. Maybe not tomorrow, but the day after tomorrow. And, and that calls for an approach to innovation that's probably... Uh, outside of the ordinary. And uh, I think mm-hmm. that's the reason why uh, design thinking uh, goes so well with the uh, uh, fourth industrial revolution. Thank you, Charles. Before I bring Arkin and Alejandro in here, I just want to do a little what I call level setting for our audience in case somebody isn't familiar with these terms. The first industrial revolution was considered to have started in 1784, and it involved steam, water, and mechanical production equipment. The second one started around 1870, and it was the introduction of electricity for mass production of things. You know, everybody wanted things. Well, how are you going to power that production? That was electricity and labor. The third industrial revolution was circa 1969, not that far ago, and it was characterized by internet communication technology and the digitization of everything. So anybody who thinks digitalization, excuse me, everybody thinks that's brand new. It has been around for a while. And the fourth is the concept, as as Charles said, of blurring the real world with the technological world, and some people call that cyber-physical systems. So there, this was, by the way, from an article in Forbes in on February. 19, 2016. Just Google it. Thank you, Charles. Arkin, love to get your thoughts on this. Talk to me. Yeah, I can give you an example. I, um, I will not go by the name, but um, tell you that a uh, famous German uh, sports apparel company he, who used to outsource all the uh, manufacturing out to, to um, Far East Asia started basically insourcing again back to Germany and um, using the Industry 4.0 technology in order to fully automate their manufacturing around their uh, sports shoes uh, production. 
So interestingly, um, all the technology that has been there starts meeting the processes or the business processes, and uh, along along with the, the the production and the supply chain, everything is being increasingly automized uh, with all the sensors that you have, with the robotics and uh, the the huge big uh, the big data that you have is blended together and uh, in a way so that everything is is orchestrated and at the end um basically uh, finishes with the final product right so industry 4.0 uh, is the way where technology as uh, charles mentioned uh, meets uh, the business uh, which hasn't been done that way before but we probably could have done it I don't know why uh, Germany started it. I didn't know, actually. Uh, but now uh, everyone is on that track, trying to digitalize or digitize as much as possible and automize as much as possible. And now we call it Industry 4.0. We try to be much faster as in the past. And uh, technology is up, is there, and needs to keep up the pace of the business change. This is where we are today. Thank you very much, Arkin. Good perspective. Alejandra, we'd love to get your point of view on this. Please join us. Yes, I, I will connect this with the same thinking. When you're in the same thinking mode, it's a very customer-centric thing with empathy in the core. So the ability to put yourself in the shoes of the customer user and solve any situation or problem from there. Having an industry for a while and we used to start with what the technology could do and what we can apply this. Now, almost everything is possible. Mm-hmm. So you you change completely the, the scope, you look for something that makes sense to be done, and then you check if you can be doing it. So it's a, it's a major shift. Technology used to be something like constraint, and now it's basically than ever. Customer needs, solving big problems, is basically something you can do now. Uh, I don't know why exactly, but but the perspective of the world has changed dramatically. And is that a good thing, Alejandro, the perspective of the world? Do you think it's catching up? Uh, I would say that I'm talking in a, in a very business and technology way. I'm not talking about from a political point of view. <laughs> no, we're but not talking politics. <laughs> but basically, we, we can tackle a problem we can solve it. Yeah. The question is, if this is a, the, the, prob- the problem that is war- makes sense to, to, to solve, and if the people will care. Mm-hmm. But that's a different question. It's not a technical one. It's a it's social de- one. definitely a different I, question. So, social, who's that? Somebody talk to me. Go ahead. Uh, yes, uh, if I might add uh, here, uh, yes. I think that's a very good point, that it's a human-centric approach to to, uh, to to what the world needs. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a good point in relation to Industry 4.0 because a lot of the talks about in, uh, uh, Industry 4.0 is about technology. It's about automation. It's about digitalization. But uh, there's not a lot of talk about the organizations. And uh, I think that today uh, the, the, the organizations is really the, the, the bottleneck uh, because uh, we are used to technology uh, developing exponentially. But if we look at organizations, they don't develop exponentially. They only develop logarithmic. And that leaves a very large room for 
uh, for, for, for finding new ways of developing uh, organizations. And I think that's, uh, as Alejandro said, uh, that's where design thinking uh, has a key role to play in, in this transformation. Very well put, Charles. Thank you very much. I was going to ask you to wrap up this part of the topic, and I think you just did it beautifully. So thank you, Charles. I'm going to move on and pull a topic here from Arkin's list of statements. Arkin, uh, Charles actually mentioned this, but I'm going to ask you to dive a little bit deeper into it. You say that design challenges for products and services vary significantly from management-related design challenges because, now here's the deal, products are end-user-specific whereas management challenges address more generic, overarching business topics. Hence, the human centricity of approaching such design thinking workshops changes similarly to the outcome of DT because they're less tangible and more conceptual. This sounds to me like a good segue from what Charles just mentioned. Uh, Arkin, you want to give us a little more information on this, please? Yes. I mean, design thinking, first of all, is applied as typically as an innovation or um, problem-solving method, right? So as an innovation method, you can apply it to products and services. And if you aggregate products and services and use them in different contexts, you can talk about business process innovation, just like we mentioned with the uh, full automation and uh, basically the digitization of processes, right? Going another level up would mean that you would change your different business models or the way you work and interact with your customers and um, the, the corporate strategy accordingly or the business uh, challenges, they change. And in short cycle design thinking for management, you have this aspect of, of this management challenges, which are way more generic and more abstract than uh, these human-centric and user-specific uh, management, uh, sorry, uh, design challenges. Yeah? So basically, design thinking here varies from the perspective of the end user versus uh, the abstract management challenges. And the deal with short cycle design thinking for management is that you're being hired basically by senior management or by these executives to solve these strategic management challenges. And these could be around go-to-market strategies, um, sales, sales challenges, it could be new business models, all type of different strategic topics. And those require a different approach than you would do with a classic design thinking that takes, of course, more than two days, um, in contrary to the proposed uh, one or two-day short cycle Right, and this is basically the difference between short cycle design thinking and regular design thinking. Thank you very much, Ark. And before I bring Alejandro and Charles in on this topic, there's something else in your notes that I think is very important. I'd like you to address. Then we'll move around the table. You say the design thinking method for management-related challenges is equally important with the participate participants and the coaches' business know-how and empathy. I'm intrigued by the word empathy. You as a facilitator, as a designer of this process, Arkin, where does empathy come in and what kind of empathy? We already talked and I was joking a little about having the man- the executives leave their egos at the door and Alejandra said it's going to have to be a very big, strong box to hold all those egos. What kind of empathy do you need as a, a qualified facilitator for Short Cycle DT, Arkin? Now, I assume you have a mid-sized business that is a supplier to get to a larger company. Yeah? And uh, with empathy, I don't mean the, the typical person that behind, uh, that's, that's behind the, or using the product 
um, and consuming uh, some kind of products or services. No, what I mean here is is the management, um, the the instances that are that that are basically. Um, how will you say that, that are basically uh, open for, for this type of new competitive situations. And you need to have that empathy with the managers or uh, with the institutions that want to solve not a problem, but improve some kind of their relationships with their suppliers. And therefore, mm. the part of the empathy is on, an, again, more abstract way than it is with regular design thinking, where you just would say you put yourself in, in the context of the sports example, you would put yourself into the position of an athlete. No, you would put yourself into the position of a CEO, ideally, or into the position of, uh, in parenthesis, basically, uh, a team, a group, a company, and this is the difference of, of, of empathy in this context of management challenges. Thank you, Arkin. Very interesting concept. Alejandro, love to get your thoughts on this, please. Agree or disagree? Uh, I agree, and I can give you some kind of an example or position there. Yeah, uh, please. People overuse the word workshop. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the workshop, it's about working. But people go to sessions, and they blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And they start to show off how smart they are. They, they spend one or two days, and what happened? Nothing. Mm. Uh, the, the way we manage this session is we commit ourselves and the people to produce something together. Mm-hmm. So they follow a process with a purpose. It's not discussion. It's doing. The main difference, if you're in a traditional product development thing, you are going to create a version of a product. In executive meeting, what do you produce? You produce a mission statement, list of priorities, a roadmap, a change management plan, whatever. But the people there are together working with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's what they make the made them make difference. Very interesting. Uh, Alejandro, before I bring Charles into this, I'm looking at your notes and I'd like to get a couple points in here as we build out this part of the topic. You say executives are very busy people and they have a very limited attention span. They get disengaged and distracted easily, almost like kids. So let's build on what, uh, what Arkin was talking about, the role of the facilitator with empathy. How hard on the participants does the facilitator have to be your coach, Alejandro, when they're almost like kids and they get distracted? What do you do to keep them paying attention just for two days? What's your method? Okay, I, I, I give you a question. You're in a meeting or a workshop, and you have the chairman of the board, a, a CEO or a CFO. Who is the person with the highest rank there? Chairman of the board. You know? No? No, the coach. Oh, <laughs> you got you me, kid. the shots. You got me, okay. And you manage King the of shots. the room. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're the boss. <laughs> and basically, the way you manage this is just start very strict. You right. make sure that people follow the rules. And you, at the beginning, you get very simple rules. But you make that for managing the session. When they get used to that, because there are, there are people that used to manage others, not to be managed. So it's, it's a difficult game. So when they get used to follow others, you can relax a little bit. But you just tell the other one around your laws. You are the boss there. I have to be clear for everybody. 
I'm glad I gave the wrong answer because usually a teaching moment is when somebody gives a wrong answer rather than a right answer. Thank you very much. I learned my lesson. Charles. It was, it was, a, tra- yeah. it was a trap, uh, Donnie. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> That's okay. I like a trick question. Not a problem. Charles, we have to get your point of view on this as far as where we really segued into the role of the facilitator versus the, the having to bring uh, what we sometimes call herding the cats, these uh, distracted high-level managers who we we established they have to leave their ego at the door that's probably one of the biggest challenges so Charles what's your thought on this please well I'm actually thinking that there's a good point in in the facilitator being responsible for uh, retraining uh, the the managers because I think there's a lot of managers who believe that their purpose in life is uh, is about decision making it's about the numbers you know show me the money Etc. Uh, and I think that uh, a lot of the new insights uh, in, in design thinking, etc., is really about uh, managers realizing that they are not only decision makers or, or hard facts uh, people, they're also designers because they are designing mm-hmm. the experiences of their customers, they're ex- designing the experiences of their uh, employees. And, and, and good design is, is actually not trivial to, to come around. Uh, I, I remember that uh, some years ago at Case Western, uh, there was this uh, interesting uh, uh, new building by Frank Gehry, the famous architect mm-hmm. who made these really, really, really wacky buildings, but, but also very beautiful buildings. And uh, when he made the new Case Western uh, Business School, uh, they were so fascinated with, with the working approach that uh, that an architect uh, had that they decided to pinpoint what was the uh, what, what is what does management what can management learn from uh, architectural design and I think that's that's why uh, a good facilitator needs to install in the managers uh, that the idea that they are actually designing things. Interesting. Arkin, let's go around to you. Can I make a comment there, Bonnie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, Alejandro. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, uh, uh, the word is design thinking. Design thinking is important, but probably thinking is more important. And companies have become executive machines, executive machines, and people don't think. They don't even reflect if they're doing the right thing or the proper thing. They just do and get the thought. And uh, you generate a lot of waste working very hard for doing the wrong thing. So I, I need to keep attention in the both, in the design, and in the thinking. Thank you. Charles, do you want to comment on that? I, I think uh, that's right, that uh, the, the thinking about what you're doing and what the impact on the longer term and what good does it do to the earth, and et cetera, uh, that has, uh, that's the challenge. Thank you very much. I, I want to uh, toss this open. Let's see. We have eight minutes left before we end the show. I'm going to save a minute for each of you for predictions on the future of short cycle design thinking. But I'm just going to open this up. Alejandro, I think we covered a lot of your topics and the same thing for uh, Arkin. Arkin, I'm going to throw this over to you. Anything? Um, talk to me about how you selected this for your PhD. Let's talk a little bit about you, how you're working with Charles. What, how long has this been in development? Let's do a little history here. Arkin? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this uh, research, I think, for more than four years right now. And the way it started was uh, just um, going to design thinking workshops, as, as uh, Alejandro said, and um, suddenly I... Um, I kind of um, um, recognize that most of these type of workshops that I'm dealing with are more more like problem related and um, more on a management level. So mm-hmm. I made this proposal to Charles and said, hey, you know what, there is this different dimension and this regular design thinking as we apply it that, that just doesn't work with management, not the way you do it, not with this terminology that's, that's out there, not with the different techniques that are there. We need to tweak it a little bit. And then I made this proposal and um, started researching on it, um, interviewed the, uh, a lot of people, did surveys, etc., etc., and uh, started tweaking them and trying it out and um, tested it a little bit and started to recognizing that this type of workshop works. Um, back again to this facilitator uh, topic, I think um, um, Alejandro mentioned it already. It is really, really important um, that the facilitator needs to be on an eye level with the different participants, meaning in this context, the senior management, because by the time, as Alejandro said, if you do not manage the people, if they don't have the respect, they start managing you and they will challenge you with different questions, etc. And as a facilitator, you need to know the, also the business context. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just not sufficient to be a design thinking coach, but you need to also be knowledgeable and aware of the topic so you can challenge uh, this kind of managers. And what they really like, uh, you won't believe, is really, really challenging their uh, type of working, their type of thinking, their type of uh, business models by bringing in constraints that they weren't aware of. And when you start challenging them, they start developing totally new uh, perspectives and insights and basically reinvent themselves. And along with this short cycle design thinking, they build this commitment uh, that they mm-hmm. want the buy-in of the different senior managers in order to make these new decisions and bring them to life. This is the major advantage that I see uh, with short cycle design thinking. Thank you very much. I want to bring Charles into this now. Charles, uh, just your comments on what is it like working with Arkin on this project? It's, it, it's wonderful because uh, Arkin is really teaching me a lot about, about stuff that I, I, I didn't know about. I think that uh, Arkin's work is, uh, is, is important, and, and it, I think it's, it's really timely uh, that it will come out soon. Uh, I hope the final thesis uh, will be out in a, in a few months. And, and I think that the world is really ripe for for this kind of work right now. Uh, so it's wonderful that somebody took the effort of uh, uh, researching deep into what, what's uh, working and uh, what would have uh, the biggest benefit uh, for businesses. So wonderful. I'm, I'm looking forward to see his uh, his final work. I think we all are. Very interesting topic, talking about collaboration and leadership and uh, stepping up. Very interesting. Now, we are officially at the predictions part of the show. We call it the crystal ball predictions round. So, Charles, I'm going to give you a full 60 seconds. I'm liking the year 2020. We've been talking about it forever, and it's only three years and a couple of weeks away. To me, that's just like tomorrow. So if you could focus on 2020... 
what do you think is going to happen with short cycle design thinking? Will it be full-blown, practiced all over the world? Will it just be in certain organizations? Will it be country-centric? Will, for example, Germany use it, but not, uh, but not let's say, the, the Latin countries, not France? Um, will the U.S. embrace it? So what do you predict? 60 seconds, Charles Mueller, go. I think that uh, maybe when we are looking uh, at, at, at a three-year scope, it, it's, as you said, it, it's like tomorrow. So maybe uh, in three years' time, we are still uh, the, the, the quote from uh, Luz Carroll will still be relevant. But I hope that uh, we will we will have seen some cases and beginning evidence of hey, there's no need to just run uh, twice as fast. There's actually an alternative to running twice as fast, and it's like uh, it's like the uh, the end of uh, through the looking glass that. Uh, Mm-hmm. The solution is not uh, the increased rate. It's actually it's uh, transforming into something different. Like when the uh, when Alice transform into a, a queen uh, in the end. Thank you very much, Charles. And now let's go to Arkin. Predictions, please. Yeah. Yes, so let me start with a couple of uh, numbers, or at least one number. I have, uh, I have here a number that says 43% of uh, the companies, of major companies, uh, have concerns whether their company will exist in the next three to five years with the same business model, meaning uh, their type of working, their type of business model is potentially obsolete. And uh, that is related to the type of, of mindset the managers have uh, not adapting to um, the changes in the environment, in the political situations, uh, in ecology, in, in sustainability, whatever, whatever dimension you'll take. Yeah? And the same way, the, the need of thinking needs to be changed. Just like Alejandro already mentioned, he said, design is one part, but the more important part is the thinking. And whether this is design thinking or something similar to design thinking, is, this is just the means. Yeah? But at the end, I think uh, coming from product perspective with design thinking and from management perspective with short cycle design thinking, I think they could be well equipped uh, and could be a way to identify the problems uh, or the challenges they have or they will face in the future and will adapt and, and react accordingly. Thank you, Mark. And when do you think your uh, dissertation will be done, the final part of your Yeah, project? my goal was, to be honest, my goal was to finish it in, in uh, by end of January in 2017, but I mm-hmm. think I will not make it. It will take another four or five months, I believe, and then I should be done. So um, the content is there. It needs to be reworked and, uh, you know, fine-tuned, et cetera. Um, some some minor changes, but uh, they are a lot uh, or effortful, let's say. Uh, and by the time I'll finish that, uh, I think I'll submit it, and then let's see how Charles reacts. Very, very exciting. I'm sure Charles will be delighted, and I'm hoping you got some good ideas for whatever you're going to be doing with it from this conversation today, because we've certainly had a good one. Alejandro, I save 30 seconds for you for predictions. Go. My prediction is that uh, by 2020, Short cycle is going to be very popular, but we have a different name. What's the name? I don't know. That's a, that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> that's an open question. Okay, very good. Exactly. Charles Muller, yeah. such a pleasure. 
It's such a pleasure. We'll have to take a vote on that. Charles Miller, a pleasure. Arkin Efaoglu, thank you so much for joining us. And Alejandro Piferay, always a pleasure. Big shout out to Michael, our engineer at World Talk Radio for uh, helping us get on the air and stay here. Thank you so much. And a shout out, of course, to Oscar Olmez at SAP, the young lady who put this together and got us these great panelists. Great topic, Oscar. Thank you so much. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. You all know what it is, but I'm going to say it anyway. Fasten your seatbelt. Whether you're going into a high-level C-suite, top manager, short cycle design thinking workshop or not, just fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'm tasking you with that. Have a great one. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.